It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of Locked On Titans. I'm Jimmy Morris. I'm Jimmy Morris, joined as always by Terry Lambert. Terry, how are you tonight? Doing pretty well. What's going on, man? Not too much. Tonight we also have a very special guest, Rhett Bryan of Titans Radio. Uh, has agreed to join us, and he's been out of practice every day so far for camp, so he'll have an interesting perspective. Um, so we're going to get to him here in just a sec. Before we do that, remind you, Terry and I write for MusicCityMiracles.com, where we cover the Titans for SB Nation. Uh, so you can check us out there. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at MCM. Terry's at TLambertFB. And you can subscribe to the podcast, Locked on Titans, wherever you get your podcast. Just search us out there, and you can get the newest episodes sent to your phone or your computer or whatever as soon as they are available. All right, so with all that being said, we will get to Rhett Bryan. Rhett, how are you tonight? I'm good, gentlemen. How are you? We are doing really well. And again, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us. I figured it would be a good time to get your perspective, especially coming off of these last two days with the practice practices with the Buccaneers. So we're Terry and I are going to kind of go back and forth, ask Rhett some questions. Uh, I had the chance to talk to Rhett a few minutes before practice started on uh, Wednesday. And he was telling me that he has spent most of training camp watching practices with Coach Dave McGinnis. Um, and so I just kind of wanted to start off asking you about that. What's that been like, and what kind of perspective have you gotten from watching practice with him? Well, I think I'd answer it, Jimmy, by saying <laughs> Coach McGinnis has forgotten more about football than I think I could possibly ever retain or learn. Uh, it has been an incredible um experience learning from him uh he's such a good teacher you can tell he was a coach for all those years in the nfl at all levels um you know the one thing i haven't done with him is is as he says grind tape and watch film and i do want to do that and plan on doing that this season at some point uh but to watch it with him through that coach's eyes and everything he's looking for uh and looking at and observing is a whole new perspective um, just in some of the things he's taught me watching practice, um, learning the quarterback platform they're throwing from and those, uh, the base that they're throwing from, from, and, uh, the timing that they need. I can, he taught me how to just, you can pretty much gauge when the quarterback's supposed to release the ball and, just all the different wide receiver splits and you know, certainly things on defense because he's a defensive mind. But uh, it's been an invaluable education. Uh, and I just I want to I learn more as much as I possibly can. And he's such a great person anyway. But he's taught me a lot in uh, two and a half weeks for sure. Uh, kind of a big story through camp. It's been weird. Uh, it's been the injury situation. Uh, you know, the staff isn't really talking about injuries uh it's it's a little frustrating for us you know you you want to have something to talk about you want to have some sort of update what's your takeaway there how, how does that how, how does that kind of rub you does it rub you the wrong way are you are you okay with it is it just the patriot way or, or tell us a little bit about that well i think it's it's some of both it's certainly the patriot way you can certainly tell that john robinson and mike Brable cut their teeth in that organization and and learn from Bill Belichick and how they run that in, in Foxborough. Um, look, would we like to know exactly what's going on with injuries? And, and coming from Mike Malarkey the last two seasons, who was very open about those things, uh, yeah, in a perfect world, yes. 
uh, has what I'd like for it to have been an open locker room uh, through OTAs and mini camp and training camp. Yes, but it wasn't, and I can't do anything about it. Uh, I don't, uh, you know, I'm not saying I, I like it, but, uh, you know, he's calling the shots. Um, I, you know, as far as anything advantageous there, I, I don't know. I, I honestly think that Coach Brabel, I think his mindset is is he will gradually open things up. Now, I don't know what he'll do about injuries. Obviously, there's the league mandates he has to put out an injury report weekly once the regular season begins. I would think that the injury report would look a lot like what the New England Patriots would do on a weekly basis, which means half the roster will be on there with various vague uh, descriptive injuries. Um, but, but, yeah, you know, it just – you know, it's just one of those things. Where it's something to get used to. Change. Nobody likes change, and and so here we are in the middle of a change. But yeah, you're right. Ty Smith on injured reserve. Jonathan Cyprian on injured reserve. Linebacker Nate Palmer, uh, Jamel President waived injured. Johnny Maxey, same thing, and and uh, uh, also the Philip Supernaw waived injured. So yeah, there's uh, they've had their share for sure. Okay, so I know the first day we were kind of on the same side of there watching the defense. I didn't get to go out there today. Uh, can you give kind of your general takeaways from – I'm assuming you watched offense today. Uh, I did. Can, can you give kind of your general takeaways from what you saw from this offense today against the Buccaneers defense? Absolutely. Um, you know, in several different drills, the offense um, – you know, I, I don't know that they necessarily took a step forward. Uh, they had some nice completions, but they also had some mental errors. You know, there was some uh, penalties and, uh, you know, some unforced errors, as Coach McGinnis would call it. Um, I, I'd be interested to see what they do in this first in this preseason game against Tampa after seeing them both days. Uh, but the offense had its moments, certainly in red zone and those kinds of things. They worked on a lot of two-minute drills towards the end. Uh, honestly, when everybody joined together on that first practice field to go ones against ones and twos against twos, I think the defense is the thing that stood out today. It actually had a better day overall than it did uh, did Wednesday when you were out there. Uh, Malcolm Butler on a couple of uh, red zone type things held his own against Mike Evans, no problem. Adoree Jackson had a couple of picks and subsequent backflips uh, acrobatically afterwards. Uh, and Kenneth Durden, one of the newest defensive backs, the former Oakland Raider, had a couple of pass breaks up, breakups in uh, in the defensive side of things. And then when they all came over together, had a near pick of, uh, I think it was Jameis Winston, and another pass breakup or two there. But uh, defense looked better today. Offense, it's still a work in progress. Specifically, I, I kind of want to know about the run game. Uh, we've we've talked about the pass game quite a bit, and all, all the receivers and Marcus Mariota. Uh, but how has the run game looked? Uh, is is the offensive line you know blowing holes open for Derrick Henry and, and Dion Lewis? Uh, I just feel like we the run game has just kind of been glossed over so far in training camp. Yeah, and you know from everything I can gather, uh, that this zone blocking scheme fits what they're doing well and I think that's one of the reasons why they brought Josh Klein back for a nice fat contract to play right guard uh you know the the offensive line I think has looked better in those situations and you know what coach McGinnis would call a crunch play where they bring a a, a tight end 
to uh, back in the inside in motion uh, on either side, snugged up against one of the tackles. And then they'll run a, uh, you know, a, a zone outside run option there. Um, or, or sometimes they'll run it the other direction, but usually it's the zone outside type of runs. And whether it's Derrick Henry or whether it's Deion Lewis, uh, there have been holes there for sure. Now, certainly defensively speaking, the, the Bucks, you know, they, they had some nice run stops in the last couple of days. But Deion Lewis has been elusive in, in moments, and so has Derrick Henry. I, I think the, the run game part of it is going to be fine. And certainly the targets that they're going to be involved in out of the backfield is, is compelling, too kind of you know slipping back into the passing game part of it but i like what i see from the run game so far all right coming up we're going to have more with brett bryan from titans radio so again we're joined by rhett bryan of titans radio you can follow him on twitter at rhett b tennessee uh, check out all the stuff that he's doing there all right so so much of the talk uh, in this camp so far has been about Corey davis and, and we all know how important Corey Davis is to this offense. I mean, I don't think there's any question that Marcus Mariota is the most important player to this team. But I think you can make the argument that as far as the offense goes, that Corey Davis is the second most important player for this offense as far as how successful they're going to be this year. What have you seen from him overall in camp? Do you think that he is making those strides that he needs to make to be the number one receiver the Titans need him to be? I would agree with you, Jimmy, that, uh, you know, the two people that needed to have a better 2018 offensively than they had in 2017 is the two people you just mentioned in Marcus Mariota and in Corey Davis. Corey Davis, early in camp, flashes here and there. Malcolm Butler battles with him. And then, of course, he had some time where he missed last week prior to the preseason game in Green Bay. This week he has stacked nice practices together. It started Monday in the bubble with that uh, indoor closed practice uh, I thought was the best camp practice overall in all three phases. And he had a lot to do with that. And then you were there Wednesday when he went six for six uh, in team stuff. He had a nice day again today. Um, and so the fact that he's stacking good practices together, I want to see that carry over into a good preseason performance against the Bucks. And, you know, keep in mind that will be his 2018 preseason debut because he missed uh, the game in Green Bay. So, yeah, I, I think he finished camp very strong and is moving towards what you're talking about, about being the number one receiver that they need him to be. Defense added Malcolm Butler, uh, of course, drafted Rashawn Evans in the first round. But Harold Landry is, is a guy that Jimmy and I were on from the from the get-go of the draft process. Uh, I know Brian Arakpo has been out, so he's been getting a lot more first-team reps. How has he looked you know, how has he looked holding up against the run? That was kind of a knock on him coming out. Uh, and how has he looked getting after the passer? Well, and I think that's the area where he's working. And you can see little signs that he's getting better against the run. And certainly he's got good help and good uh, advice from some of the veterans in that uh, in his meeting room uh, against the pass. Uh, listen, I think we saw what he did last Thursday night in Green Bay, and I I, I want to see more of that against either Ryan Fitzpatrick or Jameis Winston this weekend. Um, listen, that Coach Mack calls it that motorcycle bend, that rush. He's on wheels, speed to power, but bending 
you know, way leaning down and swooping around uh, in almost like a body type swim move to get back there in the in the pocket to disrupt things and that stuff. His quickness to get back there to do that is it's impressive. Um, but yeah, you're right. He's gotten some invaluable experience uh, reps with the ones with with Brian Arakpo being out with what appears to be the shoulder. I think. Uh, but, yeah, I've been impressed with him. I just want to see more of it. You know, one thing I think that everybody is wondering about is how the um, the carry distribution is going to be divided up between Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis. And we had, uh, on a show earlier this week, we kind of talked about trying to, trying to predict who was going to finish with more yards from scrimmage on the year. And, I mean, do you have, have you gotten any, any indication of how you think they're going to use these guys? I mean, I think – yeah, everybody just kind of assumes that Derrick Henry is going to be your first and second down guy. Deion Lewis is going to be your, your third down back. But if you watch the way that they used Lewis in New England, he did a lot more than that. He's actually really good between the tackles. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get, you know, plenty of chances inside the 10 because he was very effective with those chances last year. So do you have any indication of how they're going to divide that up and, and kind of what have you seen as far as Deion Lewis's ability to do everything? Well, they certainly have played that kind of thing close to the vest. Uh, I don't think we have any clear idea of exactly what the distribution will be. Uh, I think that it's going to be dependent upon the opponent week to week. But to answer your question with Deion Lewis, it's easy to see why they brought him here. Uh, anybody that saw New England Patriots games last year saw how dangerous he that he could be. And I'll, I'll go a step further with what you said a moment ago. It wouldn't surprise me, and this is all Grant taking you know, into account that he's healthy and, and plays a full season. It wouldn't surprise me if Deion Lewis was the leading rusher, had the most attempts, and had the most touchdowns out of that, that, uh, that meeting room there with the running back core. Uh, because he has the ability, he's so small, once he gets past the line of scrimmage and gets into that second level, he can hit a gear and be gone uh, before people even get a beat on him. Um, and, and the size, again, that's what bothers me and, and kind of concerns me about is hoping that he stays healthy. But the guy is going to be a game changer in this offense. I mean, there's a few players in this offense that you're going to need to have back there in your back pocket to make sure this thing works. You mentioned Corey Davis. Deion Lewis is another part of this, for sure. And there's one quick follow-up on that. You know, last year we saw when Derrick Henry got the chance to, to be the every-down guy when DeMarco Murray was hurt, that, you know, he, he did he did struggle in pass protection. You know, the Chiefs game, you know, there was a the play where Marcus Mariota almost got killed. It looked like Derrick, Derrick Henry missed the block. Have you seen him working on that, and do you think he's gotten better in, in that type of role in the pass protection stuff this camp? I do, actually. Um, you know, Derrick Henry, I think, has had a really nice camp. And you can tell he's working on more fundamental-type things uh, in protecting number eight uh, and just overall blocking. Uh, you saw him the other day, and I want your opinion on this. I think he actually may have leaned a little bit uh, in terms of his overall weight. He looks a little slimmer. Uh, he's still a monster, but he looks to me that he, he may have dropped about 10 pounds or so uh, to get himself a little more um, bend and elasticity in this offense. Because we all know 
what Todd Gurley was able to do in this thing last year when uh, LaFleur was there. Now, I'm not saying he's Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley's a whole other animal. But uh, I see Derrick Henry, he certainly is taking on the challenge of, you know, he wants to get the ball. He wants it all the time. Uh, but I, it's going to be a running back by committee deal. And as long as he is doing those other fundamental things to keep Marcus upright and protected, uh, certainly he will uh, see his reps go up. But, you know, the concern there is that you I, you don't want to get the Derrick Henry against, you know, Jacksonville in week 17. You want more of what you saw in Kansas City outside of missing the block. Um, you want more of that kind of performance. And I think he's still trying to find his way on those things. Will he find them? Yes. But uh, I still say Deion Lewis may be the guy to beat in all of this because he can do so many things. And those targets out of the backfield, we know they're going to use, we know Matt LaFleur is going to use them more than those guys have been used in that position group in the past two or three years. I mean, uh, was it two years ago? I think they had 84 targets with the backs under Malarkey, and then I think that went down to 60-some-odd targets last year. Last three years that LaFleur has been working in this kind of offense, his backs have seen triple-digit type touches uh, in terms of targets aerially. So that certainly comes into play in all of this. And, and that's something where Derrick Henry can actually uh, you know, make a case. You know, he wasn't asked to do that at Alabama, and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Corey Davis has gotten all the hype, uh, that receiver, but I think an X factor is Taewon Taylor who, by most accounts, has had a pretty good camp. Just kind of give us an overview of, of where he's at, you know, going from year one to year two. Uh, how much more ahead, I, I guess, is he uh, this year than last year? Well, he kind of had a little bit of a setback because of the change in philosophy, offense, and certainly coaches. You could see early on in OTAs and in the minicamp, he was still trying to get acclimated to this offense. By the time we got to the end of minicamp and the window leading up to training camp, you could see the light kind of come on for him. Taewon Taylor may have had the best camp of anybody offensively because of consistent play through uh, those 15 practices in a preseason game. He's going to be relied on heavily in this deal. Um, you know, Coach Dave McGinnis told me about looking at all of the Rams film from every game in 2017. And he said, you know, Cooper Cup, the rookie wide receiver for him last year, he, he had really nice numbers in that offense because he, you know, certainly runs the right route tree and he goes and catches the ball for you. But he said, Taewon Taylor is so much faster and more athletic than, than a Cooper Cup. And he said, he's really going to be, you know, the Sammy Watkins in this deal. He can be one of the most valuable parts of this offense and will be relied upon heavy for this. But Taewon, I agree, is a huge deal going into this. And when it finally clicks, certainly people will see this. That number 13 will be moving all over the place because LaFleur wants them to learn X, Y, and Z positions. And so he's been moving around inside and out. All right, coming up, we will finish up the interview with Rhett Bryan of Titans Radio. Matt Williamson brings the scouts perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. We got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest 
completion percentage other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play. Yeah. But I just want to throw a couple nuggets out on Allen. And I know he's a lot bigger, a lot stronger, but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3. What's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted. And he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws. But his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so a couple last things for me. One, we've heard a lot about, I guess, the back end of the roster receivers, whether it's Deontay Burnett, Jordan Vesey, uh, you know, Nick Williams has come on in, in the last week. It seems like starting with that preseason game, and, and he had a couple of good days of practice. Um, you, you know, you've got Darius Jennings in that mix. Kind of talk about those guys. Do you have any feel on are they going to keep five or six, and who do you think those the guys after Davis, Matthews, Taylor, Tajay Sharp, how do you think it kind of shakes out for those guys? I could see a scenario where they keep six. Um, and listen, I, I thought, you know, they brought in Michael Campanero for returns and those kinds of things. He has been absent. Uh, so I'm assuming that he has an injury of some sort and that's where Nick Williams has made up the difference there. I wouldn't be surprised if Nick Williams makes this roster and I also wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, maybe Darius Jennings does as well because he's had a great camp. Jordan Vesey is kind of a disappointment. He's got the big body and big frame and he's just kind of disappeared in all of this while Deontay Burnett has made some serious plays uh, on a more consistent basis. Um, You know, the fact that Tajay doesn't play special teams does not make him, uh, you know, immune to being cut. I mean, I can see a scenario where that might, you know, they may go a different direction there. I don't think that's going to happen, but, you know, we don't really know, what Mike Vrabel, you know, this is his first time out of the deal being a head coach. I think we know an idea about what John Robinson will do in terms of, you know, trying to flesh out a roster, but that receiving group is probably one of the most intriguing parts of this thing as we get to the cuts on September the 1st. Um, But I think those names I mentioned are ones that you can keep an eye on. Okay. And then last thing uh, you did, uh, you produced the McNair special that ran on the fourth, right? Yes. Okay. That was really, really good. Uh, and I told people earlier this week if they haven't seen it, I mean, if they haven't heard it, to go back and listen to it. Uh, I think it's on the website, right? 1045 The yes. Zone. Yeah. Yes. 1045thezone.com. Go check that out. It was really good. It, was there anything you learned in doing that that you, that you didn't know about Steve McNair, about the impact he had uh, kind of going through that project? You know, the, in talking to wide receiver Kevin Dyson, We had a conversation uh, about McNair as we were putting this stuff together. And uh, the day I recorded with him, I asked him about the last play of the Super Bowl. And he said that he and Steve McNair never talked about that ever again. Now, I guess, one, it wasn't a successful place. There was no need to discuss it. But he said, never talked about it. Never once mentioned it. Just kind of went on about things. I thought that was interesting. Um, 
Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I really got out of that. Uh, it was more of a historical, you know, documentary type angle that I was doing, and I just wanted to get some of his teammates, and certainly Coach Fisher, uh, to recall some things about him. Um, but, he, you know, he, he will always be one of the faces of the franchise. I mean, people always talk about a, a, a Titans Mount Rushmore. He's probably the first face I'd put up there. Uh, still miss him. Wish he was around today. You know, I thought about, you know, I saw Eddie George at practice today and sure wished a guy like Steve McNair was there. The night they unveiled the uniforms back in April, I thought, well, gosh, a lot of these guys are up there. I wish Steve McNair was up there, but he's not. And uh, it's, it's really kind of kind of sad. But uh, it was a nice way to remember him and his career and what an incredible athlete that he was and uh, and all that he did for pro sports in Nashville, Tennessee and, and being that early face of the franchise. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was in high school when the, when the Titans came here. And so, I mean, he was kind of my last, you know, sports hero. Um, and so it was it was cool just to hear everybody talk about him and remember all that. All right, I got one more thing. I, I, I lied. I thought one more thing. Um, okay. <laughs> out, outside linebacker has been another spot where, um, you know, there's some room for some maneuvering there with those guys. Um, you know, Jamel President made a play in the, in the Packers game, but then obviously he got hurt and they, you know, moved on from him. But when you look at guys like a Sharif Finch, another guy who, who really showed out in that, in that Packers game, You've got Aaron Wallace. You've got Josh Carraway. How do you see that kind of mix coming? I mean, we know we're going to have Iraq Poe. He, he's going to come back at some point. He's obviously going to be a part of this. Derek Morgan, Harold Landry. But what do you see them doing with those last couple of outside linebacker spots? I, I think the first couple of names you mentioned are on this roster. They like Aaron Wallace. They like what he can do. I've seen nice plays from him both in practice and in uh, – the preseason game against the Packers. I think had he not had a back injury and, and had to have surgery and was on IR last year, I think he would have been relied on more heavily in this defense then. I think he sticks. And I've said from day one I liked Sharif Finch's chances, and that was based on the whole Kevin Dodd situation. Of course, that got you know taken care of before camp ever really kind of started. I like Sharif Finch. I like the way he plays. He is a big, imposing guy. He's a little raw. You see guys like Mike Vrabel uh, and Derek Morgan and Arakpo working with him individually on technique. Uh, I think Sharif Finch makes this team. I do. I think maybe Josh Carraway is the man, odd man out in this deal because you know, he was taken as a late-round flyer uh, as a chance to kind of develop into a pass rusher. I don't know that he's shown enough to them to uh, you know maybe – see what he can do there. Maybe he's a practice squad eligible type guy, but I like Sharif Finch and I certainly like Aaron Wallace there to finish out that line, outside linebacking group. Yep. Sounds good. I mean, it sounds to me like they've actually got some guys there. You know, we, we talked for a couple of years now about the, them being thin at that position. Um, and we knew that they were going to have to target that early in this, in this last draft. And, and obviously we're thrilled that they were able to get Harold Landry but it sounds like now they've they've got a couple of guys uh, there that could they could come in and and you know contribute play some significant stat, snaps and maybe they're not as thin at that position as we thought they were initially. Oh, I think it can be uh, become throughout the season a a, a greater, more richer um, group of guys in terms of depth and talent. But you know the thing on the horizon is this: you have both of those outside linebackers and Morgan Arakpo. 
are both, you know, in their thirties now, and they're both in the last year of their contracts. So that was why the Kevin Dodd thing was so important to try to see if it could work out. And it didn't. So they really need a Sharif Finch and an Aaron Wallace and a Harold Landry to come on and come on rather quickly, because I could see a scenario uh, down the road in the not so distant future where Harold Landry is probably taking snaps from one of those guys. If he does well enough and flashes well enough early on, but knowing that those guys are at the end of their contracts, and I'm not saying that John Robinson wouldn't consider re-signing either one of them, but that's a lot of money on those books that's going to come off uh, in 2019. And they need someone to step forward with youth and and, uh, and talent. Absolutely. Hey, Rhett, man, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us tonight. Again, you can follow Rhett on Twitter at RhettBTennessee. Um, and, you know, if you haven't heard the Lene Kakua country music Game of the week that he that he does the songs for with Kaharski on midday one eight that, that's really good stuff you need to check that out so uh, give him a follow on Twitter and again man we really appreciate you taking the time tonight man I'm glad to do it uh, I appreciate the invite I enjoy the work that you guys do uh, you guys can provide some good insight as well I, I enjoy reading uh, your columns and uh, you guys uh, I really appreciate the invite I've had a good time tonight it's good stuff yeah man we really appreciate you joining us all right again so follow Rhett on Twitter at Rhett B Tennessee and you'll you'll see him popping up on different stuff. Um so this will do it for tonight for us. Now we'll be back over the weekend with a um with a recap of the game against the Buccaneers. I think it's gonna be really interesting to watch how all that plays out. And Terry, I'll get your opinion on this too. You know, now we've seen them work against the Buccaneers for two days. So you've got some familiarity there. They were able to stay away from the the, the fights and that kind of stuff. I think there were a couple of chippy moments today, but they stayed away from all that stuff. I'm interested to see how that will carry over into the game on Saturday. Yeah, I just want to see a a, clean offense. You saw, what, one drive, uh, just really a couple plays out of the first-team offense. So we we still don't really know what to expect out of that group. Uh, You you want to go all in on that touchdown drive and get excited, but uh, now we're starting to get into the games where – it's going to matter. You know, you want to see him string a couple of drives together back-to-back. So uh, this is the fun part of preseason, finally. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so that'll do it for tonight. Again, we thank Rhett Bryan for joining us. Give him a follow at RhettBTennessee. You can follow me and Terry on Twitter. I'm at JMorrisMCM. Terry's at TLambertFB. Again, search out Locked on Titans. Uh, you, can get, you can subscribe to the podcast, get those episodes since they're available. So for Rhett and for Terry, this is Jimmy saying thanks for listening to Locked on Titans. And we will talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network. But why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite college team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app. And be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.